1: Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win. Hello and welcome to episode 47 or the AK-47 Andre Karolinko edition of Dunks and Discourse. I am Jabari Davis and I'm excited because I have a couple phenomenal guests for today's episode. I'll be joined by Lakers beat writer, podcaster, and EIC of Silverscreen and Roll, uh, .com, excuse me, Harrison Fagan, as well as a good friend of mine, Alan Ramich from Across the Pond, that also happens to host uh, the Lakerside Chats podcast, uh, that I believe Jocelyn and, and myself have, have even guested on along the way. And if I'm not mistaken, Harrison has too. Uh, obviously, with the Lakers being in a battle with the Nuggets here in the Western Conference Finals, uh, there'll, be a large to- there'll be a large topic of discussion, but we'll also get into, of course, some Eastern Conference Finals and potential finals matchups as well. Uh, but before we get started, as always, we appreciate each of you that continue to listen and show support via Twitter and encourage you to keep that feedback coming as we will continue to work in your questions, topics, and show ideas along the way. Also, if you're enjoying the show, do us a solid, as I always ask. Rate, subscribe, and even leave a review if you feel so compelled. So, without further ado, Harrison, thank you so much for joining Duncan Discourse
0: today. I'm happy to do it, Jabari. As I told you when you direct messaged me to come on, like, I'm, uh, you know, honestly, I'm insulted I didn't get the invitation sooner. So, like... (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, honest I have no excuses. I have no excuse And for folks, if you can't tell already, you will be able to tell. Harrison and I go back, man. We go way back. And when back when I was uh when I was a bright-eyed bushy-tailed, actually I was old already. Harrison was in it was you know was a college student. We started off kind of uh you know, got a you know shoulder to shoulder. And uh, you know, since then I have done what I've done, which is not very much, and I'm hosting this podcast. And Harrison, as I mentioned earlier, He's kind of all-world. He's the EIC. He's got multiple <laughs> podcasts.
0: He's the man. I pre- No, but seriously, I do appreciate you coming, man. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. And, I'm like, I don't know about all-world, but, um, you know, like, I, I definitely, you know, I, I was old for a college student. You gave me a lot of credit for uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but um, I always appreciated that you were someone that was uh, willing to help me out and kind of, like, uh, you know, like, show me the ropes, show me the basics as I was, like, getting started on the beat and going to games and practices and stuff.
1: Harrison is being kind so with that in mind let me get your first thoughts on this series Lakers are <laughs> Lakers are up 2-1 uh, you know there are some folks that are saying hey they should be down 2-1 then on the flip side there is other there are definitely other folks that are saying well you know what if they jet, like if like say for instance if KCP knocks down that shot uh, and you know a couple things bounce their way they're
0: up 3-0 where do you sit on things? You know, I was actually thinking about that today. Like, it's fascinating. Like, like literally, like if Casey and look, KCP deserves credit. He played really well last night. Like, I, I don't want to turn him into some scapegoat for how the game went down. But like, if That's he makes sure. that shot last night, then like, okay, the run doesn't stop. And like, are we having an entirely different conversation today about how the Lakers have completely demoralized the Nuggets at this point, being able to flip the switch like that in the fourth quarter? And like, when instead, like the Nuggets are talking post game about how they feel like they should be up two one. And it's kind of hard to blame them for feeling that way. Like, you know, you asked me where I lean. Like, honestly, th- like, if we're looking at this objectively, the Lakers should be down two to one. Like, the, the shot that mm-hmm. Anthony Davis hit, you know, he's not a terrible shooter from outside, but that's not, like, you know, his main strength. Like, that was a little bit of a lucky shot. Like, and, like, they should not have needed that shot to pull that game out. Like, they really let off in the second half of that of that game. And, like, it kind of did that to themselves, just like they did it to themselves in a different way in Game 3, and the Nuggets were like, oh, like, you guys aren't going to play? Like, we're not going to let up. We're going to keep playing hard, and they have, and that's exactly how they've gotten to this point, point. and the Lakers honestly probably should be down 2-1, but they're not, And they were really dominant in game one. Um, And, like, I picked them to win the series in five, and I still think they're going to win. Uh, But, like, they definitely have, like, they have some adjustments that they need to make. And, like, man, if Anthony Davis doesn't hit that shot, then I don't know if that affects how last night goes, because I think the Lakers had a little bit of an emotional hangover. But, Mm -hmm. like, this could be a very different conversation, potentially, in a lot of different ways.
1: No, I, I absolutely agree and let's talk about from Denver side of things cuz Jokic has given Denver 20, you know, 20 about 24-7 and 5 on 54 20, uh, 29 83 shooting splits for the series. Uh, he had an absolutely tremendous close in game 2. Like you know, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, without that game winner from Anthony Davis, you know, the, the, this conversation is a little bit different. But I'm actually wondering when he got it going so you know so uh, so uh, you know strongly in the first quarter of Game Three, were you one of the folks that was you know also like me, kind of surprised that it took so long to go to Dwight? Because if I'm not
0: mistaken, Dwight didn't play in the, in, the, in the entire first quarter, and then he didn't even start the second quarter. If I'm not mistaken, no, did not did not he didn't play until later in the second quarter, and it was finally it was almost like Frank was like he was kind of wait you could tell he was waiting for Jokic to come back in, like or at least mm-hmm. that's what it seemed like he was doing. But then Jokic was really resting because that lineup was rolling, and finally. Frank was just like, all right, fine. I'm throwing Dwight in there, like, regardless. But, but, and he gave them a nice spark. Like, he gave them, I thought, some good energy and really helped them, like, you know, somehow only end that half down by 10, despite getting their asses kicked the whole time. Um. And, uh, but, yeah, like, I, I, you know, I think that th- this is something that obviously is going to be a big topic going into Game 4. And I think at this point, like... The fact that there are a couple things that make me think that they're going to start Dwight. Number one is, like, I think there's good reason to. As you mentioned, like, why are they not going to Dwight when Jokic is getting rolled? Like, he's clearly done the best job on him. Even though I didn't Mm -hmm. think JaVale McGee played terribly yesterday. I thought he was actually, like, especially by his recent standards, he was actually pretty decent. But Dwight is clearly a better option there. And it's it's not just that, though. Like, it's also that Frank Vogel has basically admitted that Dwight is a better option there. Like, outside of foul trouble. And said, like, he's admitted twice now on the record that he's considering starting Dwight, which is, like, pretty rare, especially during mm-hmm. these playoffs, for him to admit that he's thinking about any type of move before he actually does it. And then also, like, for the fact, like, to for a coach to admit in the middle of a playoff series that they're considering benching one of their starters, I think is pretty unusual. Um, and, like, do it multiple times. So I think we know which way he wanted to go, and he just felt like he couldn't do it coming off of two straight wins is my guess. And now that they have a loss, I think he's been kind of given license to go ahead and start Dwight to start the next one. He's also started him in two of the three second halves in the series, which also Mm -hmm. makes me think that this is a matchup that he likes and that he, if all things being equal, would go to. And I'm guessing they will go to it tomorrow
1: yeah i'm gonna keep it real with you I would like to see i hope it does happen i hope he does make the adjustment i can see you know, you know your logic on that whereas you know, you're up to oh you know why make the change but now that you know now that now you do kind of have license to you know to tinker with things and you know without hurting Javel's feelings or hopefully without you know ruffling those feathers let's go ahead and slide it over to the ad topic because it's got to come up i look I'm one that yeah, oftentimes I'm defending him like crazy on here josh likes to get you know go at me because he knows it's it's a soft spot for me I don't often admit it but it is uh, but... It, there was a there was a stat that was being thrown around there that he was 5 for 15 with Millsap defending him and i was actually glad that you commented on it on you know, like on the uh, on the timeline where you said it kind of felt like that pj tucker stat that folks were going nuts over uh, after one rough outing yeah. where do you you know where where do you stand on him cuz like folks will always look to exaggerate and kind of harp on things when it comes to the lakers and admittedly i would have liked to see a better or a stronger effort kind of across the board not just from scoring but across the board defensively and especially on the backboards spot, you know following that game to cra- crazy finish but where do you sit on ad so far or do you or, or actually do you think he responds to that lackluster night you know especially on the backboards
0: yeah so to answer that i definitely think he will like i, I think he took that fairly personally last night and uh, like definitely chaka gave himself some blame for like rebounding poorly and said that he needs to be better and you know i think that they'll probably be fairly unkind to him in whatever film session they uh you know have tomorrow or whatever film session they had today i'm sure they already like went over some film work and like that that session was not really kind to him like i I I actually have a theory on, like, why AD gets so much, like, you know, I think hate, for lack of a better term, is, Mm -hmm. like, I I think, like, he doesn't dominate in the ways that we traditionally associate with bigs dominating. Like, he's not a massive guy with a bunch of post moves like Jokic is and, like, great passes, like – It's easy to see why, like, it's easy to see when Jokic is playing well. Like, with AD, like, and and then, or like, he's also not like some stretch big that's like running around the perimeter, like, bombing threes or like, you know, hitting fadeaways, like, all the time. You know, his mid range has been good during the playoffs, but that's not like his bread and butter necessarily. Like, I I think that a lot of the times, it's interesting. One of the things that I would talk with people about as we were watching games early on, because, like, of course I had watched AD before he was a Laker, but it's different when you're watching them every single game. And there's this interesting thing. Where, like, he is obviously one of the most coordinated and talented athletes in the world, but he doesn't look like it just watching him play. (sighs) And Mm so, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes when he scores, like, it's on, like, it's on, like, kind of awkward, like, you know, almost half euro step type of thing through the lane, like, off the contact, falling away from the basket. Like, he has a lot of Mm -hmm. weird kind of off-kilter finishes and things. So, like, when he looks bad, like, it's noticeable because all of a sudden this stuff that you think is weird when it's going in is, like, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. And so I think that leaves him more open to criticism, as does, like, you know, everybody who just looked at the box score and was like, oh, two rebounds, needs to man up. Um, yeah. And so there's, like, those aspects to it. And, like, I, I also think that just, like, he, like, he, it's just not scoring in those traditional ways, I think is probably, like, the biggest part of it.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I mentioned this to Josh a few weeks back, but like, and, and I actually accused him of this because he's guilty of it. He treats him the same way that we all used to foolishly treat the Euro Bigs, you know, like with that were really good, but simply because they don't play in the traditional big man style or the way that we would like to you know them to play. You know, we get all up in arms about it, and and honestly, I really do think that ties
0: into you know to him, you know, and, you know the, the way that we talk about AD. And to go back to that stat that you mentioned about, like, the, you know, that I called the, like, it felt like a PJ Tucker stat that was going to normalize. Like, obviously, this has been over three games, but the other thing that we know, too, is, like, matchup data... Is incredibly flawed. Like sometimes it can give us useful things, but there's also times where like it's like you know that like they're assigning that, and it's like oh he's like five. I think it was five fifteen against uh, mm-hmm. against Paul Millsap, and like yeah. you know four of those shots are like awkward floaters that Millsap just happens to be like the nearest defender to, but didn't like meaningfully impact. Or like he's mm-hmm. one of three defenders in the lane, and like like creating like uh you know just like a, a wall of arms. Like I don't know that I'm willing to direct attribute like it's easy to be like oh haha ha, ad 515 against paul Millsap. he's a, like he's not a superstar but like i think that especially over just three games like and just 15 shots like that seems like i'm guessing there's some noise in that number is what i'm saying and like i also think that if by the end of this series it's like oh like ad was like 15 of 30 or something like that like when guarded by paul Millsap, like i would not be surprised
1: yeah, honestly, the exact same, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I was sitting here like a cheerleader, like, "Yeah, say it, say it, say
0: it,"
1: <laughs> <laughs> because because honestly, it, it uh, yeah, at times it sounds as though I'm being defensive when I come you know, when I when I will rebut or bring those types of you know facts up because oftentimes Josh likes to lean towards the NBA Twitter side of things of saying like, "Oh, he's soft, he's this, he's that," and you know things of that nature. But you know that's neither here nor there. He's you know AD's never going to be the you know the the quote unquote perfect traditional big that you know some people. We'll still want him to you know well, well to be honest with you I don't know why you know we expect him to be that when the game is not played that way anymore you know by and large but you know that's neither here nor there well I'm sure you
0: because saw- we have people on NBA t- on TNT saying that he needs to get like 42 and you know like 25 to be a true big man and like getting the posts and you know it's just I think that there's been a lot of damage done to the discourse by uh talking heads that's actually
1: something that I that I uh, mentioned on Twitter yet uh, yesterday, and, and it wasn't even related to that. It was because of the – I don't know if you saw that clip going around about KG, uh, you know, kind of speaking negatively about the players saying, like, oh, we could never do the bubble in our time because we – essentially intimating that we hated each other, we were warriors, and these guys, I don't know, I guess it's a little bit different. You know, I, I, to, to that point, and I, I don't want to pick on Shaq or just KG because there's a lot of these – that generations from play, of players that just don't – you know, they're, they're not necessarily great ambassadors for – for the current game that's not a knock against them they're entitled to feel you know like how they feel but from an you know from the nba's perspective from a business perspective and with their business partners it would be nice if players from the previous couple generations acted like they actually still loved the game and actually wanted to present these players in a positive light
0: or like enjoyed the product that they're watching like like it's like oh why are ratings down it's like well maybe it's because like you know mark jackson is spending the entire game telling me that all these guys suck like and never could have played in his era
1: yeah, no, thank you on any of that.
0: Yeah. So anyhow, let's let's let's
1: let's you know bring it back here because I because eventually I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna take it out to the Eastern Conference. But LeBron, I'm sure you saw after the game he was showing a little bit of emotion. You know, I don't know what the heck he was doing with the, the headbutting of the stanchion or whatever. But you know, whatever the case may be, Jamal Murray was dancing. You know, I kind of have seen this movie before. Do you think we get Terminator LeBron the rest of the way, or like I kind of accuse him of doing? You know, like like to this point he's you know like do you think he's going to continue to pace himself?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there will be a degree of that because I think a degree of pacing himself is necessary at this stage of his career for him. It just, like, the, the fact that we haven't gotten a full game of playoff LeBron yet just suggests that to me. But, like, maybe it's because it yeah. hasn't been totally necessary for him to go into, that, like, Super Saiyan mode, essentially. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I do think that we will get a better LeBron in Game 4. But, you know, with that said, I also thought that we'd get a better LeBron in Game 3 than we got because I was like, well he played pretty mediocre in game two. Like he wasn't bad, you know, he got his numbers, but he wasn't like, if you watch the game, you could tell Mm -hmm. that he was settling for too many jumpers. Like there were some, there were some issues with the way that he played and they're like, well, he'll be better, you know, on, on, in game three. And statistically he was, but it was mostly during that fourth quarter. And like, he ends up with the triple double. He has like some like absurd stat line or whatever, but it's like, if you watch that game, it's like, like he didn't look any more engaged for the majority of it until the fourth quarter than any of those other guys did. And yeah, I mean, you have like I think that some of it is like the Lakers Need him to match up hunt a little bit more. I think, like, really trying to force the issue and get that switch onto Jokic, get switches onto, um, like, onto Michael Porter Jr., or, you know, like, really just try and get, like, some type of mismatch for him, for him to take advantage of and make it easier for him to access that playoff LeBron mode where he has a player that he has a very clear physical advantage on, whether through, like, speed or coordination or, like, strength if they get him switched onto a smaller player. Like, I think that they need to do a little bit better of a job trying to make his job easy but at the same time like you know the lakers shot like what i think it was like 23 percent from three last night like if they shoot yeah 33 percent which is still below league average like we're having a different conversation today you know like that then like mm-hmm. that means that that kcp shot goes in or some shot earlier in the game goes in like you know I, it's just hard to win a game when you're shooting that poorly from three point range it's cliche, but it actually
1: is one of those ones that's accurate. It's a make or miss league. In the yep. in game two, they made a lot. Of, they made a lot of those shots, those in between shots, or those like ah, okay, it went in type shots. And in game three, they didn't. You know, so like you, it's good. It it, it is good to maintain that perspective. Let's go ahead and swing it out to the Eastern Conference because obviously, uh, you know, selfishly and self serving, you know, we've got some eventual finals matchups to consider. Yeah, Boston, you know, Boston looked like a completely different squad with Hayward back, and I mean, obviously that you know that's somewhat to be expected, but essentially admit that you know Miami could no longer you know, key in on Kimba and Tatum you know quite as much and you know, it just kind of freed everybody up even if, even if Hayward didn't put up big numbers. What are your you know, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Did you, you know who did you have going in and who do you have you know at, at this stage?
0: So I believe I mean we did we did a bracket challenge like before the playoffs and I did not pick the Heat to advance past the Bucks so like I think mm-hmm. originally I had the Bucks in this series but they are not there um mm-hmm. and I actually like I picked the Heat going in because I think that like they're I just like that they have, like, a blend of veterans, and, like, I think that they have a better coach. Uh, I think that they have, like, uh, I think that they have more guys who are, like, ready for this stage. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like we saw Kemba starting to slow down a little bit in the previous series, like, Mm -hmm. as, like, the playoffs went along. And, you know, like, especially against Toronto, he really seemed to wear down by the end of that. And Mm -hmm. they were able to, you know, they were able to get it done. But as you said, like, Hayward, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about with LeBron a second ago. Like, anything that takes a little bit of pressure off of him and makes that easier, like for, in Kemba's case, and like for this team, um, like I think we'll, you know, maybe he's going to be able to play a little bit better and like that that should help him. But I still like I'm going to stand by picking Miami. Like, I don't know. I believe they're playing right now or soon. Um, yeah, just about. And- Yeah, so, like, I mean, this could look really dumb by the time that this goes up. But, like, I still really like Miami in the series. Just, I I think that they're more ready for this stage and whatever. I think Boston is still probably, like, a year away with their core. I was of the same opinion
1: I went into the series And I said Miami I think I said Miami At six even you know, Whether it was six or seven But I definitely did I don't feel quite As confidently about it Now that Hayward's back Because I you know, the, p- p- Part of him being out Was the you know, what That was factored in You know the fact that you yeah. know, He's out And even if he does come back How much of an impact Can he have Well obviously they can, he, he did show that he can have A quality Or, or a we also effect.
0: thought That he might leave For uh, you know Like the birth of his child Like that he might leave mm-hmm. again Even if he did get healthy But then he ended up Deciding not to do that I guess like they, it must have been that when he said that, like they didn't think that they were actually going to have like a chance to go to the finals on the line. And then it's like once that was here, it's like, well, like, honey, yeah. like, we have two other kids. <laughs> it's not the first. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be all right. You know, you, you, you've already been through this, He's Like <laughs> you no, got I, this. You have plenty of practice. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to throw a couple a couple quick ones at you. What would be the best finals matchup? You know, so like best, I think, like, are we talking like from a narrative, like storylines perspective? Because then it's easily Boston. Because can I, you imagine, like, like, how, like, uh, you know, you grew up a Lakers fan. Like, I grew up a Lakers fan. Can you imagine, like, telling, you know, like high mm-hmm. school you that the Lakers have a chance to tie Boston and Banners by beating Boston in the finals and, like, the double gut punch to Celtics fans that would be, like, I, I mean, for oh. me personally, like, you know, Lakers Boston would be great. But, like, on the flip side of that, like, I think that you know I, I think that he lakers would be a more exciting basketball matchup like you mm-hmm. just like you know you got bam versus ad like another kind of stylistic like interesting clash like we kind of have in this series uh you know like jimmy versus lebron isn't quite the same thing because they probably wouldn't be guarding each other a ton but like it's two superstar wings like that really drive their teammates hard in different ways mm-hmm. um and you know like are two like fairly you know jimmy is not not on LeBron's level but like two stars in this league for sure um like i, I would be Definitely be more intrigued to watch uh, Miami versus LA, but like, you know, from a storyline's perspective, Boston versus LA is like almost it, like you'd throw it out if somebody pitched it at the end of this movie that like this season has been. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so now let me get the matchup you
1: think we'll wind up getting and a prediction so that everybody can talk shit on the timeline if you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I think I think we are going to get Heat Lakers. I'm I'm still fairly confident that Miami is going to like uh, figure this out. And again, I, this could look dumb by the time that tonight's game is over, but I think Miami is going to get this series done. And uh, I do think that it will be the Lakers in the finals. I, I picked them in five before the series. I'm sticking with that. Like I, I think there's some clear adjustments that we already talked about that they can make. So, I think those two teams are going to end up in the finals and then like look I, I can't pick against LA at that stage like I, I think they're gonna get this done and I do think that they're gonna win a title this year yeah you'd get kicked out of LA if you if you want yeah like I don't it. think like if I <laughs> if I'm before the finals like before they're even there and I'm picking against them like, i like uh-huh. I think I'm gonna get run out of town but also like I genuinely believe it like I, I think they are gonna like I think I think they're gonna win a ring this year
1: we're on the same page. I've been telling Joss that he sounds like he's starting to believe me, but also we'll see how tomorrow night's game goes as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Pa- Paul Millsap <laughs> may be the answer against Anthony Davis, you know. Paul, like Paul you Millsap, finals MVP, baby. That's yeah. right. All right. Harrison,
1: thanks so much for joining today. It's always nice to catch up. It's been far too long, and you will not have to wait that long for the next for the next invitation. Can you, get, can you let the folks know where to find you and for, about both shows that you host?
0: Yeah, so uh, I uh, you can find me on Twitter at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N, at hmfagen. I'm going by Playoff Fagen right now because I have <laughs> activated playoff mode. Um, and then uh, you can find me. At, you can find all of my work on SilverScreenEnroll And then I host the Silver Screen and Roll podcast uh, one day a week. And then like you know, like I occasionally hop, pop up on Locked On Lakers and whatever. But like Anthony doesn't pay me for that anymore, so I, I can only uh, I can only throw him it for free, free like so many times.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, you know, no joke, guys, make sure you follow this guy. Make sure that you you know interact with him. Great follow, great dude. I've like I said, I've known him for a while, and I appreciate your time.
0: I definitely I appreciate do. it, Jamari. No, without a doubt.
1: All right, so we will be right back after the you know, quick message from our sponsors with Alan Ramich. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed, is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long term contracts. Plus. Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over and football is back. You may not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you the more options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on Dunks and Discourse, and as promised earlier, I'm absolutely honored to be joined by my guy, Alan Remich, host of Lakerside Chats podcast. Alan, you've had me on a ton of times, and uh, so it was long overdue to have you join Dunks and Discourse. Thanks for joining today.
2: Thank you, man. Very excited to be on a little bit late, but, you know, it's never too late in the day to talk Lakers basketball.
1: Yeah, You know, it's funny. Um, I'm sure everybody can hear from your accent. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, he is from across the pond. So obviously, uh, we definitely appreciate you staying up. What is it like 1 a.m. there for you? Almost, almost. It's 1246 as we speak. All right, well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and get to it, because I don't want to have you up till, <laughs> until 2 a.m. Yeah, look, yeah, you're the host of the Lakers side chat. We're going to talk about some Lakers. So, folks, yes, that's right. The the show continues to be a Lakers-centric show. If there are one of four teams left, y'all knew that. And, and with me at the helm, y'all knew what we were going to talk about. <laughs> let, me, let me get, you know, before we get into uh, some direct talk about AD, let me get your thoughts on the series so far. And just in general, uh, if, if – well, I imagine you had the Lakers winning, but you, know, you just your overall thoughts on how this how the series is going.
2: Well, I, I always thought Lakers in five, and to be honest with you, um, I, I I thought they'd lose game one or game two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, should have lost game two. Let's be real. Um, oh. So losing one game isn't a big worry for me. The biggest worry for me yesterday was the effort. Um, apart from like that crazy six-minute stretch where they just decided to overmatch and overpower Denver, which is like, why didn't you do this from minute one? I could have gone to sleep at 3 a.m. instead of 4.30, but that's beside the point. That's my fault for <laughs> living on the wrong side of the world. It um, happens. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, a really fun series. Um, Denver are awesome. They really are. Uh, you know, Jokic is... Um, f- Ridiculous, like that fadeaway that he hits is just
1: wow. Like, there's, there's no answer for that at seven foot with yo, know, where he releases it, there's no answer for that
2: zero. And it's like you think it's just him throwing it up, and it's like, nah, this is going in every single time. And it's like, even LeBron looked at me at one point, he's like, dude, like, <laughs> how is this happening? So, you know, but at the same time, I'm not worried at all, um, just because. The trust I have in the Lakers, and basically for the, Denver, Denver, the, the for the Denver Nuggets to win, it took Jeremy Grant going peak Michael Jordan in the playoffs, and you know I'm not mad, Jeremy. If it helps you get your money in the summer, you go get that money. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, Jamal Murray, I think he's blossoming into our in front of our very eyes as a star in this league, and that's always positive to see. You know, it's really good to see the 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 future of the league's in really good hands. Absolutely. Um, but but at the same time, not worried. Um, I think the Lakers will still have it in five. To be honest with you, I know there's this whole three-one thing going on with the Nuggets. <laughs> they had but, us
1: right where they wanted us. But Down at the same.
2: Games. At the same time though Jabari I don't know what you think but like I thought that was Denver's best punch last night and the fact that we were so lackadaisical for three and a half quarters and then we decide to turn it on and we make it into a game. um, I, I was very um, I wouldn't say I was um, it, it was it was positive to see that even when we play horribly for three and a half quarters that we can, we still had a shot of winning the game, which is crazy when we were down 20 at the start of the fourth. Um, so,
1: so normally I'm in your boat and I'm playing the positive role and I'm playing the, Hey, you know, like let's look at it from this side. So since Josh isn't here, I'm going to play that role. The Lakers have been outscored in the last six quarters by the Denver Nuggets. I understand that, you know, I still feel confidently that they can beat them. I no longer think it's necessarily going to be in five games. So, like, I wish I had your confidence in that. Uh, I think, th- I think, you know, no matter how many games it goes, whether it's five, six, or seven, it's going to, you know, just like I thought coming into the series, it would be hard-fought games. But something tells me, like, you know, something tells me we you know, five might be pushing it a little bit.
2: Uh, listen, would I be surprised if it goes six or seven? No. Um, however, even with the Lakers playing badly the last two games, because let's call a spade a spade, yeah, they played badly these last two games, barring AD Heroics in Game 2. Um, I'm still not worried, because like I said, it, if that KCP 3 went in when we were down <laughs> by 3 with 4.5 to go, we're talking about the Lakers being up three zero right now.
1: I and, don't.
2: And, but... I, but yeah. At the same time, this Denver team, man, what a team. Honestly, um, they they didn't get talked about enough, if you ask me. Um, I think everyone's partly to blame for that, Um, particularly the big NBA media outlets, which we'll touch on later, by the way, in in a topic that you want to talk about. Um, But at the same time, I understand where you're coming from completely because, like, we just seen Denver be the better team for two games in a row against the Lakers. Um, but I absolutely feel like we've seen Denver's best punch these last two games. And okay, it took a buzzer-beater by AD to win Game Two, but at the same time, like, when the two best players in the series are on the same team, and hopefully, we get this KCP still because I think KCP has probably been the most underrated player the past, well, let's say, ever since that five-game stretch, since the Lakers' Twitter bullied him into being awesome. Um, so shout out to Lakers' Twitter for that.
1: And <laughs> Sh- shout, shout out, out to L- KCP's... Shout-, shout out to Lakers' Twitter for being ridiculous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and shout out to KCP's burner account. It is definitely the best thing about Twitter. Like, I'm sure you follow it as well.
1: (laughs) I I, I do. But, all right, so, but you know what, since since we're on the topic of, uh, you know, the, uh, the Twitter talk I'm sure you mm-hmm. saw Some of that 80 legacy talk And to be honest with you It's silly and meaningless mm-hmm. To me uh, Especially to, to the current reality uh, It doesn't matter What the history books Will ultimately say about him Because he's not done With the current run He's on <laughs> I'm interested If I'm if, Am I alone In being annoyed By all the premature talk it, I recognize It could just be me Being old and crabby But when it comes You know When it comes to Legacy talk you know, So prematurely I just feel like It's crazy
2: well, I think in this crazy 2020 that we live in, um, I think these debates are happening more than what they would, let's say, if it was just a regular playoffs. Um, And while I agree with your sentiment, I feel like, like you said, there's a lot of basketball still to play. Um, I think AD's stretch so far, barring this past game three, I think maybe one game against the Houston Rockets where I didn't think he was great, I think this whole playoff I think honestly I wouldn't be surprised if people put AD as the best player in the playoff so far that's how good I think AD's been Um, but like you said I, 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 I can't put him up there as being in this pantheon with Dirk with KG with Duncan until he finishes it off to be frank with you, like, yeah. even Dirk had question marks around him until he won that title in 2011. Like, you know, we, we you got to win that ring first and then we can put you into that pan- pantheon of great because I think he will get there. Don't get me wrong. You know how highly I think of Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think we need to slow the roll down. Uh, we wow. need to let him get to an NBA finals first before we anoint him as being, like, better than Tim Duncan or anything.
1: I'm gonna keep it 100 real with you. It's absolutely asinine. Even if they win this year, it's a stupid conversation. I'm, I'm gonna, like now I'm gonna be straight up about it. It's a stupid conversation. <laughs> the guy seven years into into his career, though, you know, those guys have already been they they're, they're done. They're already Hall of Famers. They you know we saw their entire stretch. I like this is where I will actually be that guy where I'm saying like no, stop saying this dumb shit on Twitter because it's, it's just crazy to me. It'd be okay, but I'll be very specific about it. The reason why you don't want to do that after the game two is because after game three, when he doesn't perform, then now is he now is he terrible again? No, he's not done. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, um,
2: I, I, I agree with you on that completely. Like it, it's that thing of like it's this recency bias where everything we last saw is what people think it is, mm-hmm. and we've had plenty of debates about this, where like people don't look at the whole picture anymore. And I think that's the biggest problem when it comes to debates like this, just purely because like, Mm -hmm. I think we both agree AD is ridiculous. Like being able to watch him on a nightly basis, play for the team that you support and you grew up supporting is, you know, it's like, it's like Rob said in his um, press conference about KCP. It's like (laughs) bread falling from heaven. It's actual
1: manna from heaven. And (laughs) precisely not just a Trojan horse, but you know what? I love KCP now. So I'm not, I'm gonna let that go.
2: Oh, listen, K- KCP. Without KCP, we won't be here right now. Like we can, we can there twist it, it however we want. But like without KCP, Lord Palinka wouldn't have been able to tamper for a year. So big ups to KCP and Rob Palinka for that. Like
1: real this point. is accurate. This is accurate. And no matter what, this is my obligatory. I don't care if everybody disagrees. Thank you, Magic. I understand we don't like the way it ended, but thank you, thank you as well. So keeping it going, keeping it going. Because yo, honestly, by by this stage in the episode. If there are people still listening, they gotta be Lakers fans. So we let's, let's let's do this. I asked Harrison about this earlier, so I'm interested in your thoughts mm-hmm. on it. Regardless of the way things turns out, turn out this year, can you think of a few mm-hmm. guys the Lakers should be targeting or at least interested in moving forward with an ultimate pairing with AD in mind? So with
2: AD, um, I know I know there's been a quite a yeah. bit of chatter about Victor Oladipo that's a guy who i feel like mm-hmm. if you can nurse back to full health i think having him as your third option now with lebron and ad is really tantalizing because i feel like that's a guy who's an awesome perimeter defender a guy who you can trust to hit down a big shot is athletically very gifted even though we didn't see it much in a bubble like people forget that he was still coming back from injury so that was very yeah, much like a, a, he wasn't ready so but you know big props for even, for even trying to play like, uh, you know, with with an injury that he had, I didn't expect to see him back till next season anyway. So it was huge to see him play. Um, but Oladipo, I like a lot. Obviously, the easy one would be Giannis, but um, it all depends what Giannis wants to do. Um, I, he might. I, I, I could see still see him happened. stay in Milwaukee. Like, realistically, I could see him stay. Mm-hmm. I could see him go to Toronto. Um, I think Toronto would probably be the most likely option for him, I could see him go to Golden State. Um, God forbid he goes to Dallas. Um, I'll say that straight up. Please, God, don't let him <laughs> yeah, go to Dallas. That would be a
1: monster. That, like, like if, if that if that does take place, that's a title team
2: ready. It's it's, it's it, Like it's, people can, I think people can say what they want. Team. I'm not
1: I'm not guaranteeing
2: it. I think it's a free peat team. Like I'll, I'll go that far. Like I think you know me. I've been on the Doncic hype train since before he entered the NBA. That's how good I think Luka is. Um, you have Porzingis yep. is a unicorn. He really is. He's he's. If I hope he gets healthy um, because we saw how good Kristaps is. Um, and then if you add Giannis to that. Phew, Good luck. And then you have these guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway and I like Trey Burke a lot. Um, You have these like... And then Rick Carlisle.
1: but for perspective, if adding Giannis, you, you know, in all likelihood, you know, you're having to get a lot of the rest of the roster. But, you know, honestly, when you have those three, it kind of doesn't matter. But let's get off of Josh's fantasy situation, because obviously, you <laughs> know, the Mavericks are his team. <laughs> um, not getting ahead of ourselves, because like I said, I, I honestly think it's going to remain a battle with Denver, no matter how many games it goes. What would be your ideal finals matchup if you could choose?
2: So thinking about my brother... Um, shout out to my brother. He's a Miami Heat fan. I I'd love to see a Lakers <laughs> Heat final. Um, you know you know me. I, I don't know if you remember the season preview we did, which was almost a year ago now, which is crazy, crazy. to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember saying like people have been was the, were discounting this Miami Heat team before the games before the season started. I'm like, it's the same team that was finishing four or five with Bolstro anyway, mm-hmm. and then you add Jimmy Butler to it. And then you have the likes of Duncan Robinson emerge out of nowhere. Kendrick Norn, who I'm happy to see is finally getting better back. Tyler Hero's been an awesome pick. Bam's turned into a star. Um, Then adding Igadala and Jay Crowder was huge, you know. Um, Especially Jay Crowder. I think that gets overlooked a lot, how good he's been.
1: As a Um, throw-in on a deal for Iguodala? That's crazy, yes. Which is crazy.
2: Like, we agree on that. Um, so it, it's. I'd love to see the Heat because again you have the thing of Spolstra against LeBron. Uh, I love Jimmy Butler. I'm so glad Jimmy Butler's doing well because it finally eliminates that doubt everyone's had about him being a problem, which I think was ridiculous. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but then, who wouldn't want to see a Lakers Celtics final? Like you know, I was saying, you just know, I was saying for are purposes.
1: You know, I was saying confused. I'm like, wait a second, man! You've been a lifelong Lakers fan, and you're gonna jump out the blocks with, oh, shout out to my brother, which I know. I shout out to your brother because he's, you know, he's he's a fun follow, and I appreciate him as well, and hopefully he's listening. But uh, it's Lakers and ball. It's Lakers and Celtics, man. That's the answer. The answer. <laughs> I was is built into Celtics. it. I was built into oh, okay. it. Okay, I got you. My apologies.
2: <laughs> but but then, like I was about to say, the the absolute Laker Homer in me. Um, the the F Boston forever in me um, would say Lakers Celtics in five Uh, it would be beautiful to see the tears of Bill Simmons on his podcast Um, (laughs) shout out to Bill Simmons I still listen to him Um, you know but you know it's it's, it's a rivalry thing like I I hope Mm -hmm. people don't take it too seriously Um, I think it's all in good jest it's all in humour it's all in sport um, but after I don't think there's anything better than seeing the Lakers Celtics and then the Lakers be just stomping on the Celtics would be the best possible outcome like realistically like that would bring me the most joy in life it really would
1: that's, that, that's my guy right there. That that That's the answer that I expected. That's the answer I expected. <laughs> I don't even have to follow up because everybody knows what I want. I've <laughs> I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. And in, the, and in here, in Denver, watch tomorrow night, or actually by the time folks listen to this, uh, watch tonight, Denver winds up tying this up, and then everybody's going to say, okay, not so fast. Anyhow, <laughs> let me get you with one more. And as I like to do at times, I'm going to ask you to throw your GM's hat on for me. Because, you know, I'm we not- got... We got Billy Donovan. He was hired by the Bulls. Uh, Steve Great Nash. hire, by the way. I'm Great interested. hire. I think I'm Billy interested. Donovan's awesome. So, OK, actually, before I even get to them, let's go ahead and go there. What do you think they do with that roster now that they, you know, now that they have a coach in place? Do you think that they blow it up well, and kind of start it over? Or is he going to run with the young guys?
2: I think the, the GM, because um, it's of us from Denver, um, very highly respected GM. You know, he's he's no slouch when it comes to stuff like that. I think he'd let it build a year just to see what Billy Donovan can do with his team because I think, like, we were talking about recency bias earlier with, like, the Lakers and AD and whatnot. I think the recency bias with, like, how the OKC Houston series ended um, sort of clouds people's views of Billy Donovan. Like, I'm sure people remember, like... The OKC Thunder were projected to be like 13th, 14th in the West. They -hmm. they were vying for the number one pick, according to most people. Um, And, okay, Chris Paul had a huge deal to do with it. And, you know, Chris Paul had basically an MVP type year. But at the same time, I think Billy Donovan did a tremendous job with the the pieces he had. Um, Mm -hmm. Trusting players like Lou Dort, who was, I think, the find of the year you know, alongside like the likes of Robinson and Kendrick Nunn um, and Terence Davis in Toronto, another great young player. Um, I think Billy Donovan with that young team, I'd let him build in the East and, you know, draft smart, bring in the right type of vets, you know. Um, I think Joachim Noah is like a Eudonis Haslam type role <laughs> and to help the likes of markanen and Wendell Carter, I think, you know, and it's a guy that Billy Donovan loves and he loves Billy Donovan. Um, I think it could be a really good hire for the Chicago Bulls. Um, I I wouldn't blow it up yet just because I think Levine is that talented. I think Markkinen's that talented. I think Kobe White will explode not having Jim Boylan as his head coach. Um I i, I mm-hmm. think of Kobe White that highly um mentioned Wendell Carter as well. They they, they have some really interesting pieces that I, I wouldn't blow it up just yet if I was Chicago. I'd let this young core grow and see what happens. that obviously not going to attract any big superstars, but when did they attract big superstars in the past twenty years?
1: Yeah, it hasn't happened, and I'm I'm going to keep it real with you. I've always you know I've always been straight up about Billy Donovan. While I don't see him as the guy that's going to be a championship level coach that's going to get you to that next level, I actually think that is. I agree with you. I think it's a great fit for him to play with those younger players, uh, specifically you know uh, continuing to you know, and and continuing to develop those guys as well. Uh, I, I would not be shocked whatsoever if look. I'm not expecting them to be you know have the type of miracle turnaround where you know we're talking about 50 wins, but it would not shock me to you know, for them to have double digit you know a double digit win increase next year simply because it's I, I do think it's just a better fit from it you know from a coaching and, and players perspective
2: so I wouldn't I be surprised if they made the playoffs in the East because what like 35 wins makes the playoffs in the East I could see them getting to 35 36 wins easily if if everything clicks exactly. so I really could
1: yeah and especially if, if, if those guys could finally yeah, you know, especially marketing could stay healthy but let me let me get you to keep that GM's hat on let's go to New Orleans they got a bit of an unbalanced roster. They've got vets that can contribute uh, alongside rookies, as well as with guys that are trying to earn that second deal. So really, while I looked at it on paper heading in and said like, yeah, they got a lot of pieces there, I kind of anticipated them, you know, making some moves. I I guess, you know, the pandemic and everything. Obviously, that you know, and actually, obviously, the pandemic came, you know, after the trading deadline. But just kind of how the way the season went with Zion being out, maybe they, you know, it was a wait and see situation. But Throw on your GM hat. Let me know what would you do with that roster in terms of, you know, just like a, a big swing or, you know, tweaks. And then what coach would you like for that roster?
2: I'll, I'll start with the coach. Um, okay. I, 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 it's a guy who I really respect a lot. I really like a lot. A guy who we've seen um, just, you know, overperform with youth that, you know, um, that, that with young prospects that, that weren't highly heralded, um, Kenny Atkinson, I I, I think he'd be the perfect fit for this roster. The type of basketball he played with Brooklyn, obviously, before. They got Kyrie and KD, I think, was phenomenal. Um, He's a guy who we've seen. He can develop young talent. And then you look at that roster in New Orleans where you have Brandon Ingram, who's an all-star now, who, you know, Lakers, Twitter, I know it's it's easy to go back to Lakers and stuff because most of this team is full of young Lakers, um, but seeing Brandon Ingram develop into an all-star was awesome this year, it really was. It really um, was. Scion, mm-hmm. um, in his 25 games, I think was, I think, you know, I think he's, I think he's special man and you know i I was on the zion hype train as well you know people were Mm -hmm. i just hope he gets to stay healthy because i think if he stays healthy and i know it's and i know it's an if right now i think that kid has the potential to be the face of the nba with luca Doncic for the next 15 years like that's how good i think zion williams is if his body
1: if his body permits it I agree with you I just don't know if it's going to and, and that's not me wishing doom on anybody because obviously I love the NBA and I want I you know I want everybody to stay healthy get paid you know you know play well do all of those things precisely um but yeah part of me is a little bit worried all right let me um let me quickly because I got three more let me quickly go to you what about Indiana would for uh, let me get your coach because we've heard, you know, Mike D'Antoni's name, we've heard Becky Hammond's name, we've heard recently Chauncey Billup's name thrown out there as as, as well amongst others. As well as, you know, so your coach as well as what would you do with uh with the Ola Depot situation? Would you re-up with him or would you you know let him you know find greener pastures
2: So first of all my coach would be Mark Jackson and his assistants would be Reggie Miller and Chris Webber just to get him off my TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't do this to Indiana fans. Don't do that to them. I'm just,
2: I'm just joking. Um, I know, I'm not though. I I, I I I would absolutely do that just to say. I think I think the wider NBA world would love me for it.
1: But you at the same funny, time i will keep it real with you. Jeff Van Gundy's not any better than those guys, and I know we, no, we, not. You lo- we no love, we love and respect not. Jeff, but he, yo, know, he, he's right there in that same mix. Anyhow, I, I'll get <laughs> off of, I'll get off of them. <laughs> Who would you but, actually choose?
2: The Indiana one's difficult because I don't think they should have fought McMillan in the first place. Like mm. I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get what they expected. They had a hurt Oladipo, a hurt T.J. Warren towards the end. No, the Sabonis. <laughs> And they were coming up up against the Heat who had who we've seen now mm-hmm. knocked out the books. Like they're a legit championship team. Like, what did you expect? You were missing basically your three best players and Jeremy Lamb. We have I didn't mention Jeremy Lamb there, mm-hmm. who was an integral piece to this outfit. Mm-hmm. Um Nate McMillan should not have been fired, like straight up. Um I'll, to be honest with you, no the one here. What the one name that's intrigued me is because I think he's a relatively, not even a relative. I think he's just a really smart dude. Is Chauncey Billups? Okay. There was talk about him like becoming the Cavs GM, and people are really mm-hmm. impressed with his smarts. And when you watch the ESPN like countdowns and stuff, he's the only one. Like, no offense, but all the offense in the world, Paul Pierce. <laughs> I don't care. Um, he's the only one that sounds smart. He's the only one that seems engaged in the game nowadays. Um, His breakdowns are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So Chauncey Billups, if we're going to promote guys, you know, like we've seen Steve Nash, and don't get me wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. I really respect and really, really admire Steve Nash. If Steve Nash can get a job just... you know out of the blue in the NBA why can't a guy like Chauncey Billups and you know I know there's people like Jerry Stackhouse and Sam Cassell Mm -hmm. who I'll get on to later with Houston um I I I think Chauncey Billups would be perfect for this situation especially if you're going to do what I do next and i trade Oladipo if I'm the Pacers okay only because I don't think he signs next year I don't think he re-ups um and so, if, if you got a player like that, you don't want him leaving for free. Of course. So, if you can get, let's say, because I think the most they'll get in a situation like this, is if you can get, like, a, a Kyle Kuzma, if you can get a Taylor Horton Tucker in there as well, and then, I don't know, trade Danny Green all the way the hell out of Los Angeles. <laughs> was, I'm just joking. I know. Um, but... If you can get, you know, a couple of pieces... I didn't have to be the Lakers. That's just the most obvious trade package when it comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, if you look at maybe, let's say... um, Like, I think you can get a couple of really good young pieces and then you sort of start to rebuild there because I like the Holiday brothers. um, Obviously, Drew's not there, but I like them, Aaron and Justin, a lot. I like Jeremy Lamb. I hope he can get healthy... The Manta Sabonis, I think he, he's it's forgotten that he was an All Star this year. Based on how good he was, he was really really good. Um, I like Miles Turner. I don't like him as your first big. I think as your second big, I think he it's a luxury to have a player that good behind Sabonis. Um, but and T J Warren, like I think him and Devin Booker were the stories of the regular bubble season. Mm. Like how good they were until obviously T J got injured. I, I don't know. Like there's something in in my mind where like I really like this Indiana team. There's, there's a likable quality about them, the players they have, um, and so with with Oladipo, um, if he wants to stay, that's different. I can't see him staying particularly if there's interest from teams like the Lakers, let's say there's interest from the Bucks, there's interest from like teams like the Mavs where it's like a more situation it's a big it's a better situation for him to win a title right? Mm-hmm. Like, cuz I don't see this Indiana team winning a title anytime soon and as we know Jabari players when they get to 27 28 29 30 they're primed it's they all with AD yeah. they get that itch they want to win a title um, and as nice as it is playing for a team like Indiana, you know, the, the history there, I think people forget just how big basketball is in that state and how much they value it and how much they love their paces. Um, I don't think that'll be enough to keep a player like Oladipo there with no championship aspirations. I really
1: don't. I mean, I, time's going to tell, uh, but like you, I'm probably of the same mindset that if he's, you know, and particularly if he's not looking to re-up, then you, you, then you have to move him. I, I know that, you know, that there are some people of the opinion of like, no, no, just ride it out and, you know, and, and, and at least attempt. Uh, but, you know, like you, I agree. You can't allow, especially in a market like that, you can't allow talent to just, you know, to just walk. You have to get something back for him. That's, that's that- a bad precedent.
2: Yeah, that's a bad precedent for a small market team.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and again, it's just not so, Kevin Pritchard is smart enough to know, you know, to know better. So, I would imagine, you know, all all different all types of different scenarios are being discussed. All right, let me go ahead and just wrap it with this one because this is going to be the fun one. Let's go to the Harden Express in Houston. You're the GM. Maybe you're not going to be there for a long time, but right now you are. You are Daryl Morey. Do you look yes. uh, do you go ahead and break it up? Um, and, and, and before you answer that, consider this, I think if they break it up, that means Harden is gone and not Westbrook because I don't see anybody taking that Westbrook deal specifically because I don't see them having enough assets to package with Westbrook to make it enticing. So do you break it up? <laughs> and you know, where do you go for coach, even though you technically still have a guy that's there? Oh, no, no, actually, no, he, it's already official. He's gone.
2: Oh, D'Antoni's so, so gone. Where do you go? Yeah, he's officially yeah. gone. Um, I think I think there's a team stupid enough to take Westbrook um, I say stupid really? enough like Westbrook's a horrible player he's not he uh, just isn't worth 41 million like 41 let's be 44, real about it. And
1: 44 come on man like that like I gotta be honest he's
2: I not worth it. that money but but he's a good player still like yeah it, it, he's not worth like any he's not anywhere near I think he's a 12 to 15 million dollar a year player now but you know it's Russell Westbrook so he's not gonna get that money like realistically um but I think a team. Um, I think we all think it. and I think the New York Knicks would trade for him because James Dolan is stupid. Yikes. <laughs> Do you disagree with me?
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, so here's the deal. The, the, two things can both be true. That might be the case, but they have to hope that Leon Rose and those guys are not because that's why they were just hired. Now, I, I, no. <laughs> I look. I I it hurts me. It if James pains Dolan, me, not sorry, being, you know, facetious about that to speak. Hmm.
2: I was just about to say sorry not to it. interrupt, but if James Dolan says no, to Leon Rhodes no. Rosewood, getting Russell Westbrook, Leon Rose has no say in it. Like, let's be real. Like,
1: oh my goodness,
2: this is James Dolan's rodeo. Yeah, deal.
1: that's. That is a hundred percent true, and but you know honestly, maybe it's just me being hopeful for Knicks fans that this is not going to be continue to be the case. And I, you know what I was going to say is it pains me to say these things about Westbrook because I have been a Westbrook fan, like I love Russ. So have I. But I'm, and 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 like you, I'm in favor of guys getting their money. Like I don't want him to not make his money. But the biggest problem that I had that that you that That I think is going to be the case with teams with him moving forward is he is she should be in the 10 to 15 million dollar range in terms of like that type of player. I'm not talking about taking his money away, but he's never going to accept that type of role. No, so that that is why that is the reason why I wouldn't. But you know what? You may be right. It might end up taking place. But okay. so what about a coaching for the what about coaching for Houston? If they're able to whether they're able to make a deal or not. Well,
2: if I was Daryl Murray, I'd blow it up, like, straight up. Like, trade everyone. Start from scratch. Um, I think you could get a really, really good trade haul from someone for Harden. Because, you know, I think we forget, like, in this really, really boring, horrible offensive system that they play, Mm -hmm. James Harden is still a top five player in this league. He is. Like... And I think he's gotten better defensively. I think he's more engaged now. Um, it's no longer a gimme when Harden guards you that you're going to score. Mm-hmm. He's a really good post defender. Like I was, you know, in the Lakers series, I was really surprised by how good he was in the post defensively. Um, so shout good. out to James Harden, man. He, he really, you know, I think, as you know, I, I, I've I always been a fan of Harden and Westbrook. So it it's, I wouldn't say it pains me, but like it, I, we're in the same boat when it comes to Russ like I, 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 it's sad not to see him at that MVP level anymore it really is,
0: it um,
2: is. but saying that um, the coach that I would go for is Jeff Van Gundy and no, I'm joking <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking get them all off that commentary L- yeah. let me listen to Stan all day with Kevin Harlan and Doris Burke that's what I'd have that would be like my ideal um, commentary pairing or right. Mike Breen we can rotate Mike Breen with Kevin Harlan like, I'd be good with both of those Absolutely. So, uh, but if I was Houston I'd go with someone like Sam Cassell um, I think that's a guy who should have probably got a head coaching opportunity by now if we're honest about it is a mm-hmm. guy who players seem to really love Whenever they've been coached by him, Um, I I think is a guy who's very well respected. uh, Obviously, it pains me to say because of his Celtics and (laughs) affiliations and whatnot. Celtics, uh, Clippers,
1: Timberwolves,
2: all The Clippers, the Mm Clippers, listen, the Clippers don't even hit my radar. Like, they're irrelevant. Like, get to a conference finals and then we'll talk about the Clippers. Like, (laughs) I'm going for all the smoke with the Clippers, like... Do your job first, and then we'll talk about you as a serious contender. Like Steve Ballmer, you can pay off enough people as journalists, but you can't pay off your players from creating dissension within the changing room. Like uh, uh, oh, we, oh,
1: We are officially bringing NBA Twitter to, to Duncan discourse, <laughs> okay?
2: <laughs> Listen, it needed to be said, but I, I say that to say this. I think Sam Cassell would be a really good coach based on what's been reported about him. Um, I think he's a guy who obviously has history in Houston, was with the championship-winning teams. Um, I think he's a guy who's would be very well respected, even by like even if James Harden stayed, because I don't think they would trade Harden. I don't think that will ever happen. Yeah, I don't think it's um, as cheap as Fatigue is. Um, yeah. I I honestly do not believe that he'd ever consider trading James Harden, especially his peak, because yeah. I think James Harden still got a good few years left at this level. Um, so I wouldn't be worried about that if I was a Houston fan. I was just saying, hypothetically, I'd blow it yeah. up. Um, but I, I'd go for Sam Cassell and let him build, like, I don't know, um, Sam Cassell or Ty Lue. That would be my my two guys, but I'm leaning more towards Sam Cassell because I think it'll be more of a rebuild-type job, um, whereas I think Ty Lue, I think, would be... I know we've not touched on Philadelphia or anything. Um, I think Ty Lue would be perfect in Philly. Um, with yeah. Simmons and Embiid, so that's why I'd go Cassell over Lou in this situation.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I love the idea of Cassell. I I would of course hate it if they were if they blew it up and then he got the gig because then I would you know, then I would have the opportunity to you know, point out the juxtaposition of <laughs> of the opportunity to dash at compared to the opportunities that guys like Sam Cassell get. But I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and say I hope that does not take place. You, you,
2: you know my opinions on that, on matters like that, Jabari. I, oh, yeah. I, I make my make my feelings very clear. As a white man, the opportunity that a white man gets is. Ridiculous ridiculous compared to a black man in the NBA especially in the coaching levels um, I think they like I think the fact that Jerry Stackhouse didn't get a job that he had to go to Vanderbilt to be a head coach is ridiculous um, Luke Walton's a coach in the NBA and I love Luke as a person but I think he's proven that he's not a great NBA head coach um, like it, Mike they- Antonia I really like um, but at the same time like how many times do you have to watch Mike D'Antoni fail in the playoffs before we realize you're not going to win a championship with the way that Mike D'Antoni plays basketball? Like that's just me.
1: It's always like the mystery box for some reason with Mike D'Antoni. I, you know, I'll just keep, I'll just keep it there. Uh, it's always like the mystery box. Like people are like, yeah, I, I yes, I've seen this movie ten times, but maybe the eleventh time it's going to end differently. Good luck with <laughs> that. All right, from your lips to the basketball guide's ears with all of those scenarios. Alan, I really appreciate you joining us this week. Um, it's really good, and it's always a great time talking hoops with you. And again, thank you so much for always having me. It was good to return the favor. Can you let the folks know where they can find you, where they can find all of your material, including your podcast?
2: So you can follow me at Alanramich03. That's A L E N R 3 on Twitter. As Jabari knows, I'm on there. I don't sleep as Jabari knows as well. um, Like, sleep is, at this point, is a myth. Um, I don't know what sleep is. Um, So, hit me up if you want to talk to me about any type of basketball. Um, I I have a podcast called The Lakerside Side Chats, which I've been doing for about over a year now. Um, Mm. It's been a really fun thing getting to talk to people like Jabari, Harrison as well, Um, you know, your previous, you know, guest and... You know, it's been humbling to talk to the likes of you, Aaron Lassall, Harrison, Pete Zayas. I can just go on and on with the names. Um, I know it's an NBA podcast, but I do have to plug that. I do NFL podcasts as well. Plug um, so it's all on there on my Twitter. Um, be, be sure to find me. Like I said, I'm I'm only a follower and whenever you want to talk hoops or NFL or soccer as we as you guys call it over there I am game as Jabari knows I love talking sports I will do it all day long I know I've rambled there a little bit but
1: it's not a problem and and honestly uh you know folks you know I don't blow smoke if someone sucks they suck if they're good they're good he's a good follow make sure you do check him out as well as all of his quality you know quality work so that's going to do it for this episode. As I said at the top, thanks to everyone that has participated in making this our most successful month of downloads and interactions you know, by far. Uh, I'll be back with Josh for, again for this week's episode, so make sure you keep tuning in. For our great guests, Harrison Fagan and Alan Remich, thanks for listening to Dumpton Discourse.